Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, May 26, 2017. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 4, and we are on page 46, the first paragraph. Today's readers are for the 12 Steps, Sally A., for the 12 Traditions, Karen C., and reading the text are Leah S. and Linda D. The reference number for Thursday, May 25th, are for 7 a.m., 9977, and for 10 a.m., 9979. That's 9977 and 9979. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sally A to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Katie F. <laughs> Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A. in New York, a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Sally. I will now ask Karen C. to read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Katie, for um, allowing me to share. This is Karen C. from Indiana. I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive over here. Thank you, God. 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon our unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsively overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name in to any related facility or outside enterprise. That's problems of money, property, and prestige. Divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Karen. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're in chapter four on page 46, uh, paragraph one. Um, we will be reading two paragraphs and focusing our comments on the second paragraph. I will now ask Leah F. 
to begin reading. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much. My name is Leah S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Yes, we of agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. Let us make haste to reassure you. We found that as soon as we were able to lay prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results, even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. Much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, the spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. Okay. Oh, wow. There's so much to be said over here. Okay, so I'm going to try to... um, um, explain what I see from this from these two paragraphs so um I came from the desperate uh from the uh from the depths of my of my hopelessness and from from taking step one and coming into step two um where I'm admitting that I have so much resentment and I have so much um so much uh luggage that I'm carrying around in my head and um I I I need to find a solution and I I need to come to a conclusion I need and I want to have the uh I wanna I wanna have some peace in mind and I wanna have some serenity within my head. Um but I don't even know how to do this. All I have to do is this book telling me that I have to have the willingness to believe that something can happen to me, something of the impossible that I have been living all these all this time in the in and eating and eating in that vicious cycle the 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 clock that goes around where I'm promising myself I'm going to go on a diet I'm going to go on a diet and then the next second I cannot stop myself and I and I cannot do anything I'm finally coming to the conclusion something's got to change over here 
and on page 152, they're talking about that change, really that it will, it will happen and, and that life will be different a little bit and, 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 and I'll, I'll finally get rid of all those um, voices in my head that keep telling me diet and keep telling me do take that, that bite and do take that cellophane bag and do take that piece and do and then again and it's like a whole it's a whole chaos that is going on in my mind. And um for me, for for Leah, I had to understand that the God of my understanding was going to be somebody who is not going to be judgmental, who is not going to be um, uh, with a wrath and and with a stick and with with all the other things that 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 talked about negativity for me and fear. For me, this God was going to be a loving and understanding, um, not even a being, but something that would be higher than what I can imagine. And that kind of, of source and that kind of spirit, that kind of electricity is going to come into my heart and is going to take it over so that love can come into my heart. And that was what I decided was going to be my God. It says you do your own conception of what God is going to be like. And I decided that in order to get my recovery, this was what I had to go with, positivity and love and kindness. And then I, I would pr- commence to expand on that. And I thank God for coming into this program and for learning about these 12 steps so that I can continue doing this day by day. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Leah S. Okay, who would like to comment on this paragraph at the Christy bottom G. of M. Harlan G. M. Harlan G. Nessa R. Matt M. I got you, Matt. Jackie B. Jackie B. Who is Chrissy? Is it Chrissy G? Yeah, Chrissy G. Are you reading, please? Sarah well, W. I will I will go over the reading in one second. Melissa C. Sarah W. Sorry, I put an H. Okay, so let's go with the seven. Um, Matt M. Harlan G. Nesta R. Chrissy G. Jackie B. Sarah W. And Melissa C. And we are on page forty-six. We're in We Agnostics. We read two. Yeah two paragraphs, and we're going to focus our comments on the paragraph, much to our relief. Go ahead, please, Madam, followed by Harlan. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., compulsive overeater over here in New Jersey, probably New Jersey. Uh, we have found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results. You know, for me, I grew up with a lot of prejudice on the religion I was raised with. I was raised Catholic, and I thought that I had my own conception of God, the Old Testament, uh, God of wrath and uh, retribution. I didn't realize that that's really not the kind of God that I want anything to do with. So I ran to I ran for the hills every time I heard the word God mentioned in every OA meeting. I didn't want nothing to do with that. So, you know, way in hell, 
I'm not going to believe in a God in God at all or a higher power because it just doesn't work for me. The concept, I just can't grasp the concept too much. Of, I've heard too many times. But I realize, you know, I don't have to believe in that God. I can believe in a God that's not my understanding of the trusted friend or the intuition in my mind that tells me the right thing to do when I want to do the right thing, tells me to go right when I should go left, when I want to go left. I'm grateful I don't have to, I, I can cultivate that relationship just by working the steps and staying right, keep myself on the right path one day at a time. And uh, I'm grateful I don't have to listen to that other voice in my head that can pull some more ear, pull some more ear in my mind telling me, go eat the food, go eat the food, you'll feel better. Yeah, and I'll feel, I would feel a lot better, you know, but at the, at the end of the day, I would feel a lot worse because it would only last about eight seconds. Then. Those eight seconds of pleasure from eating of taking that first bite, and then I'm off to the races again. I just feel like I don't need to go there today, and I just need to keep myself on the right path one day at a time. I'm grateful this meeting is here, and I'm grateful for the program. It saved my life, and I thank you so much for being here. With that, I'll pass. <clears throat> Thank you, Madam. Okay, Harlan G., you're up, followed by Nessa R. Thank you very much, Katie, and thank you to Team Friday for making this meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a, compul- I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. <clears throat> Excuse me. What we're into right here is the heavy influence of two things, the confluence of William James, the Varieties Religious Experience, a book in which very heavily influenced Bill Wilson, but a book in which people describe how they found God, and every one of those people in that book found God through tumultuous calamity in their life, horrible, horrible circumstances. And we're also seeing the heavy influence of the Oxford Group movement. And in order to fully comprehend the big book, we have to understand, or I have to understand, that when they want to tell me something, they don't tell it to me once. They tell it to me several times. They spiral the information. So when I look at page 12 in Bill's story, in page 12, on page 12, it says, despite the living example of my friend, Abby, there remained in me vestiges of my old prejudice. There's the word bouncing back. The word God still aroused a certain antipathy, hesitation. When the thought was expressed that there might be a God personal to me, this feeling was intensified. I didn't like the idea I could go for such conceptions as creative intelligence, universal mind, or spirit of nature, but I resisted the thought of a czar of the heavens. However loving his sway might be, I have since talked with scores of men who felt the same way. My friend suggested what then seemed a novel idea. He said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? Come to think of it, I can't argue with my conception of anything. This is blood and guts step two. We're going to get to page 47. Next week we're going to see, do I now believe that that whole thing? But right now what's happening here is I am being told by this book that as long as I lay aside my prejudice of the God that was presented to me as a child and I take other simple steps, 3 through 12, I will find that God will not make too hard terms with those who urgently seek him. Urgently is a word I have to put in there. To us, the the realm of spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. This is a spiritual program. We are seeking a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps as relief 
to the intangible, unbearable pain of not eating. There's no spiritual part of the program. This is a spiritual program. This is like saying, I don't like the furry part of a dog. It's all furry. It's all spiritual. That's what we're doing here. We are seeking a spiritual awakening so as to make it less painful to live in the world so that my mind will not seek out the sense of ease and comfort that comes instantly by eating an Oreo cookie. I have substituted the feeling, the effect of the spiritual awakening to replace the effect of the Kit Kat bar. And this is what this is about, Charlie Brown. With that, I'll pass. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Harlan. Nessa R., you're up, followed by Chrissy G. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. I also want to comment on the sentence of God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him, um, because now I understand that my focus has to be on what God expects from me, however little that may be. I have to differentiate what is my job and what is God's job. Because prior to recovery, I thought God's job was to make me thin while I continue to eat um, cheesecake and pizza and whatever else. And, and that is not it. You know, like we read in the big book that God will do for us, what God will do for me what I cannot do for myself. And the corollary to that statement is that God will not do for me what I can and should do for myself. So now I know that God is not going to keep my hand away from my mouth or my feet away from convenience stores and drive-throughs. You know, God is not going to weigh and measure my food and God is not going to work these steps for me. But when I do those things, you know, when I keep my hand away from my mouth and weigh and measure my food and stay away from convenience stores and drive throughs and I work the steps to the best of my ability, honestly in, and earnestly, in entire abstinence, then God will remove my character defects which block me from Him so I can have a relationship with Him. And he will remove um, my food obsession. Um, and, and that is the differentiation. Those are the terms upon which God um, relates to me um, in recovery. I do my work. He does his work. Mine is the footwork. His is the outcome. Um, and one more thing that I got to keep in mind is that, you know, the outcome happens in God's time, not in my time. You know, I want the food obsession to be, to, be, to be gone now. As soon as I put down the food, I want that food obsession to be gone. You know, as soon as I do a step four uh, and give it away in step five, I want those character defects to be gone. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. When, when do these things happen? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's whenever God deems that is the best time, the most auspicious time, the most beneficial time for me. Um, and that's part of uh, those terms that God makes with me for our relationship. You know, I got to trust him. I got to trust that whatever he does um, 
is 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 for my benefit is for my for my best um so i gotta i gotta leave it up to them instead of making demands on him uh, all i have to do is just do my work one day at a time whatever it takes and let him do his without um, um, getting marching orders from me. And um, with that, you know, simple formula, recovery ensues. And it's been five and a half years for me uh, that I've been recovered and in a normal body. And I continue to do it the exact same way every single day. And I pass. Thank you, Nessa. Okay, Chrissy G, you're up, followed by Jackie B. Chrissy, please press star one. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear can. me? Okay. Thank yes. you. Hi, it's Chrissy G. Recovered in New Jersey. I have to question my my old beliefs here. It's not it's not something that's just going to be lifted out of me. My prejudice. It's not like I need to show up to this program and say okay, prove to me that this works and defend my old ideas, you know, stand and, and look for proof against the fact that there is a power that's going to help me. You say, well, you know, when I was five years old and my parents were getting divorced, I prayed to God that they wouldn't and they did. So God doesn't, God doesn't uh, answer prayers and there is no higher power that's going to remove my food obsession and I hear a lot of people talk about that too, the fact that they prayed they pray to God to have the desire to compulsively overeat lifted and and it's not and it's not. So and so what what I'm what I'm hearing in this reading is that it actually takes an attitude change and it, it does tell us we have to take a certain attitude towards the higher power. What is the attitude that I need to have in order to recover? The the attitude I need to have is, yeah, maybe, not not no. You know, my mind used to shut like a steel trap and I used to never question my ideas. I wouldn't I wouldn't question. I wouldn't say, Yeah, maybe and question, you know, is that true? Is it true that when I pray to God to remove my obsession. He doesn't help me. Well, I had so-and-so call me today and ask me how I was doing, some recovered person. Isn't that, isn't that God trying to help me help myself there? You know, I, I think that the magical thinking is my old idea that I have to throw away. Like, um, he's Santa Claus and he's just going to come in and and wipe everything away and make it make it all easy peasy. That hasn't happened for anyone that I know of. Even with white light experiences of spiritual awakenings, there's still after aftermath. After that, there's a lot of work because it, you don't stay in that state 24/7. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Chrissy. Jackie B, you're up, followed by Sarah W. Hi, I'm Jackie B from the Bronx. Can I be heard? Yes. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for your service and for everyone on the line. I'm Jackie B. from the Bronx. I'm recovered one day at a time and grateful. Um, what I got was we find that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of spirit 
is broad, roomy, and inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It's open, we believe, to all men. And I find that the most um, intense uh, statement because, you know, I came from a a uh, multicultural and multi uh, religious uh, background, and regardless of that, um, my faith has always been, you know, on and off different things, different higher powers in 25 years of being in program. Today it's God. Um, and my, pa- my higher power is very spiritual. Uh, I find um, I have a, a religion of denomination but that doesn't define me as uh, my recovery defines me as being spiritual. Spiritual means how am I being of benefit to others in and out of the program? How am I um, doing my higher power's will? Uh, As other people shared, um, I have to take actions, but I have to leave the results to my higher power. Um, Yesterday, I had to redo my family's budget and then ask my financial guy, to up my uh, allowance to meet that. And I was scared because I sent the message a day before and they said, okay, we'll get in, we'll get back to you. And I wanted to, you know, my impulse is, okay, give me an answer now, give me an answer now. And then I was washing my hands and I said, God, it's none of my business. I took the action. It's up to whatever you decide, deem, and the world decides what happens. And as soon as I went back to my... Uh, desk on my phone it says oh we've taken care of it no problem I said wow I wasn't riding I wasn't driving the bus I was the passenger on the bus same thing with my recovery I have a reprieve daily on the premise that I read write speak talk reach out to others in and out of the program okay it's being loving to my family and not arguing because the dishes are not done. It's being loving to my coworkers when I say this has to be done in a timely fashion. If you need assistance, I'll help you. It's, it's telling my sponsor you need to do this, this, and this, get done if you want the recovery that you're seeking. It's me being on this line and saying that it does work one day at a time because I get up, I show up, and I do. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. Sarah W., you're up, followed by Melissa C. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. Sarah W., very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, I really enjoyed what's been said so far. Um, For me, um, uh, and I want to share from my own experience, um, you know, I have a disease of the body and the mind, and, and no human power could restore me to sanity and as was stated you know I have to release these old beliefs that haven't worked in my life and I think that's the biggest key to really moving into a healthy recovery and staying there that um, whether I believe that it's God or higher power or the program I have to believe that something can restore me to sanity Um, you know, I love the last sentence too. Um, the whole paragraph is beautiful, but you know, I was reading and 
step seven in the in the AA 12 and 12, and I just want to read one statement, which is um, the attainment of greater humility is the foundation principle of each of AA's 12 steps. And the reason I think that's so important is, you know, for me, humility is about remaining open to uh, things that I've never been open to before, you know, being teachable, being able to be open to new things. And if I don't have that, then no matter what, you know, the program cannot work. Um, because I'm steeped in, in that rigidity of my old ideas. Um, I also had an experience um, yesterday. Um, I'm a breast cancer survivor of a year. People that have been on the line know that. For, um, and um, I had a partial mastectomy with the radiation treatment. And the reason I'm saying that is because uh, when somebody stated about adversity, we all face lots of adversity. So recently, I was having some chest pain, and they found a spot on my lung. So I just had a CAT scan yesterday, and I don't know what the results are, and I'm about to go on a vacation on Saturday, uh, a two-and-a-half-week vacation. So the thing for me is, you know, I seek my higher power's will for me. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that's going to be, but I trust that that higher power is going to walk with me throughout anything I go through. And I'm not looking for attention or anything else. I'm just stating this is my reality. And what I don't know is the outcome. And I just have to trust that I'm going to walk through it with a beautiful higher power that I believe is with me all the time, sober and abstinent. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. Okay, Melissa C., you're up, and then we'll open it up for more people. Hi, good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> it's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, what really grabbed me was um, that my own conception, however inadequate, is sufficient. You know, it was enough to make an approach. And, um, you know, it's it, quite obvious that my um, conception was inadequate, you know, because had it not been inadequate, um, I would have been recovered, you know, like that um, sort of grabbed me and that, you know, for me, um, I really had a horrible conception of a higher power. It didn't give me what I wanted. And so um, I had come to two conclusions. One, it either didn't exist or it didn't care about me. And, um, you know, good luck getting recovered with that in your mind, you know. And so um, what what I found was um, God met me exactly where I was. You know, as soon as I had admitted that there was a possibility, um, something changed. You know, I, I began to feel a power. And, and yes, I needed to take other steps, but I also found um, that I wanted to, you know. Um, and I didn't have to have, and I still don't have to have, you know, a clear intellectual definition of this power. Um, and I find that really um, comforting because, um, you know, I can express to somebody what my conception of a higher power is and they can poke a hole in it, you know, like prove that maybe this is a kind of a weak um, conception. And the beautiful thing is um, it can grow, you know, it continues to grow to include whatever I need. And so, you know, um, what was helpful for me was that, um, 
my initial conception of God was was hope, you know, that all I had to do was believe that there something existed um, that was bigger than me, greater than me, that could pull me out of this pain that I was in. And, you know, that was easy enough because um, for me, um, yeah, that word was hope. And I knew that I must have that at least because, um, you know, there I was. I was crying again, asking for help. Um, so somewhere, even just in my asking for help, there must have been some hope that it was going to be answered. I found myself calling some woman I hardly knew, you know, marginally knew her. Well, there was certainly hope in that. I called into a meeting. You know, my God, why would I bother unless there was a glimmer of hope? And that was like enough. It was this indistinguishable spark of energy and light. Um you know, I felt like, okay, that's what's causing me to breathe without the awareness of my breath. And that was enough, you know, and um, that was all that was necessary. And, and I just found that incredibly comforting. Um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Sally A. Thank you. Okay, let's open this up. I have Sally A. Who else? Julie this is Larry. Craig F. Barbara Okay. Okay. Just a second. Okay. Let me see if I got this with just cryptic notes here. Okay. Sally A. Julie, is it R or Julie someone else? Barbara E. Yes. I wasn't done. Okay. Barbara E. Craig, is it F? This is fantastic. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. Reva P. And Larry K. And Paula D. And Paula D. Susan K. Deborah E. Susan K. And I'm sorry, Deborah E. Yes. Is that what you said? Okay. Okay, let's go with those. I'm Sally A. Julie, I still don't know the initial. Craig F. Barbara E. Reva P. Larry K. Paula D. Susan. Is it Susan N? K. It's Julie. Susan K and Deborah E. Okay, hopefully we can get all those in. I don't think we can. I didn't even realize the time. I'm sorry, but we'll do what we can. Go ahead, Sally. Well, I will be brief so we can get to some of those some of those other people because I'd love to hear them. It's Sally A in New York, a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you again, Katie, for your service to all of us. And I just really want to hone in on the word seek, which they use repeatedly here. We found that God does not make too hard terms for those who seek him. To, to us, the realm of spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive. So we see that they really widen the hoop so we can all jump in. Never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly, which means seriously, seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. And so they're asking, what they're telling us here is, that it requires a little action on our part. Seeking requires some action. And for me, I heard someone recently say on the line that when we wake up in the morning, that we wake up to a fog. And that's really so true. It's like we're waking up to a thick fog. And it's our decision as to whether or not we're going to come out of the fog. And it's a spiritual fog. And before I enter my day, I don't want to stay in a fog all day. I want to take some action to come out of the fog and connect 
And that's the other word here that we see here that's so beautiful a little bit earlier in the paragraph. However inadequate was sufficient to make the approach and to affect a contact with him. And for me, that is what it's all about. That's what recovery is all about, connecting, contacting my higher power, wrapping my fingers around God's hand and holding on tight as I walk through the day. That's what the 12 steps really mean to me. Thanks for letting me share with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. Okay, Julie M., you're up, followed by Craig F. Good morning, everyone. This is Julie M., recovered compulsive overeater in Netherland, Colorado. And I think this is one of my favorite paragraphs in the big book because it gives me a way in to this program. When I came into OA, I came in to lose weight. I came in because I was miserable. I used to wake up every day and want to just kill myself. That's all I could think about. And I really didn't know what this program was about. But And when I also came in, I was so angry that everyone in the room was thin, or most of the women, and I thought, what are they doing here? And once I realized that they were examples of hope for me and that they had embraced this program, I wanted this program more than I had ever wanted anything. But I had no conception of God. I thought God had completely didn't exist. And if he did, he hated me. That was for sure. And so for me, reading this, this paragraph lets me know that it's my conception of God. And all I have to do is be willing. And I love the fact that they don't use just the word God. There's creative intelligence, um, nature, universe, spirit of, of universe, things that I could actually maybe hook into because I couldn't even say the word God for probably my first couple years in program. I think in a lot of pages in my big book, I have the word God crossed out and I have something else written there. Mother Nature was about the closest I could get. And so um, the ability to create my own and to connect with God in my way and to just have it be something that is not based on anyone else's conception but my own is the only way that this has been available to me. And I am so grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Excuse me, Julie M. Okay, Craig F., you're up, followed by Barbara E. Hi, this is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Can I be heard? Yes. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to share. I I wanted to kind of hit a little different slant on this um, uh, information that we're reading here. Um, and, and not to get off on a tangent, but um, there, we're reading We Agnostics and we're talking about um, uh, making too hard terms for those who seek him, um, this simple faith that it's talking about. And I, I want to compare that, the word agnostic, uh, in, in the early first and second century, there was a spiritualist movement, a, uh, uh, 
that was called Gnosticism. Uh, it's agnostic without the A. And uh, they taught that you had to have a special knowledge of God in, in order to to have God. That you, that, and, of course, you know where you could get the special knowledge from them. And, and so that, that was a... Uh, Kind of a competing theology, and, and and there was Gnostics, agnostics, people without that special knowledge, and and of course the church came along and said it's neither one, it's neither knowledge nor lack of knowledge, it's faith that saves you, and so um, that was uh, a uh, a struggle uh, in, in that in the church. Uh, I'll fast forward ahead to my personal experience and tell you that I, I was, in my intellectual arrogance, I was um, looking for uh, a church. I was looking for uh, a God, and I um, I couldn't, uh, I, I, I was going and testing these churches, and I, I was asking uh, ridiculously hard questions uh, to try to trip up uh, the the minister so that I reject that one and go to the next one and um, I uh, found myself sitting in a pew one Sunday and uh, there were two little boys in in the two young teenage boys in the pew ahead of me and they were they both had Down syndrome and I, I sat there and I, I in my intellectual arrogance and said those poor kids don't have the intellectual capacity to know what to believe, and so therefore, you know, I, I hope God just treats them as, as innocents, and they're, because they'll never figure this out. And figuring it out, of course, was, uh, for me, the most important thing. And and yet I sat there and I watched these two boys as they began to sing, and one of them was mad. He didn't want to be there he he didn't want to participate he didn't want to uh he didn't want to be a part of this the other one was happy he was singing to the top of his lungs if you ask him he would tell you that he loved god and god loved him and he just exuded this childlike faith and it it hit me like a ton of bricks that my own intelligence my own seeking of god through intellect was no more, not much different than than this boy. That 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 my intelligence compared to God, my my intelligence compared to what I would need to know to fully understand this God of the universe that I don't understand uh, it was just not adequate to do that. That I had a choice between that childlike faith that the one boy had or uh, the uh, arrogance and, or the just the uh, rejection that the other boy had, and that that all I needed was a childlike faith. And I, I I believe in my heart that God gave me that experience to teach me a lesson, to teach me that I that I was um, that I was arrogant, that I was in, in a way like the Gnostics. I was looking for that special knowledge that that would uh, Propel me to this relationship with God, and that I, 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 it was okay to be agnostic without knowledge, as long as I was with faith. That as long as I had a simple childlike faith in this God that I'll never understand. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
Thank you so much, Craig. Okay, Barbara E., you're up, followed by Reva P. Thank you. Can I be heard? Yes. Oh, wonderful. Thank you, everyone who's responsible for this meeting and to the people who've shared. I always hear such wisdom uh, when I come on this meeting. Today, so much read me. The yeah, maybe, not no. The willingness just to consider the possibility, the power of uh, positivity and love and kindness. When I came into OA 20 years ago, I guess I could be described as a dry drunk. I had lost weight, not all of it for sure, but I had lost weight again for the eighth, ninth, tenth time. I don't even know now. Uh, 40 pounds had gone. I had a lot, lot more to lose. But I was not kind. I was mean-spirited. I was self-seeking. I was dishonest. In short, I was abstinent but not happy. I wanted to replace those character defects, so I didn't know they were defects, with tolerance and patience and kindness because I knew in my heart I would be a happier person. I needed to be open to the possibility, just to be willing to be willing in order to get that spiritual experience outside of myself. So I pray every single day. I pray to the God of my understanding to remove my character defects and replace them with assets every single day in his, her, its own time. I can't be the judge of when it happens, and they may pop back again. I realize now that giving up my arrogant dependence on myself and substituting dependence on a power outside myself has made me stronger and happier. And I want to stay that way. And the only way to stay that way is to remain humble and accepting that this is the way for me. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, Reva P. followed by Larry K. Good morning. It's Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. A few things struck me from these paragraphs. First, we're reading about the transition from step one to step two, and I remember somebody shared with me a very simple description of it, which made so much sense for me at the time, and it wasn't even about the food. Um, But for me, step one is I'm doomed. There's no way out. And step two is maybe not. Um, The second thing that struck me is I love, love this business of our own conception of a higher power or God or whatever term I choose to call it. Um, And I really... um, needed that or I would have left the rooms because my God was a punishing God um, and it was all about being bad or good. Um, And I was told something very simple by somebody who was uh, further along in the recovery process than myself. And he said, if it's not working for you, your conception of God, just fire him. Just fire him and create a new one. And I thought, is it that easy? Um, And that was the beginning of opening the door of the process of developing this relationship. But the thing that struck me the most was how it mentions the word seek twice. 
And it also says I'm going to get this power and direction provided, which is like a huge if, if I take other simple steps. And I had this uh, strange conception that seeking God and access to God was all about being in some yoga pose and sitting in a room meditating and humming um, for hours and hours and hours and waiting for God to just magically come to me. Now, those things might be avenues to God, but what it's telling me in this book is I have to take other simple steps, which means steps 3 to 12. I can't stop at step 2, or I'm not going to get the power and direction. And then even so, I have to continue to seek. And how do I seek? As somebody mentioned before, it's constant action every day because it's about a relationship. If I don't talk to, connect with, communicate with somebody for days and days and days um, and don't take the right steps to connect with them, I don't feel close with them. I can't access them. And it's the same thing with my higher power. It's a relationship and it needs to be nurtured every single day. If I don't take the action, I don't get the access. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Excuse me, Reva P. Okay, Larry Kay, we have two minutes for you, please. I got it. I got it. Thanks, Katie. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsible Reader. You know, step two uh, means I need to shed contempt prior to investigation. Harlan mentioned the idea of crisis. William James spoke of that in his book, Varieties of Religious Experience. It's necessary that, uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, that I, I come into this thing broken. It was for me. And, you know, old habits die hard and old thinking seems entrenched, you know. These long-held fears hold tight. And there's a prayer, you know, that uh, many people in 12-step recovery say in the hope of having a new experience. And the intention of the prayer is so simple and beautiful, and it could be applied to any, any area of your life. And it's, it's that set-aside prayer. It goes kind of like this. God, please help me to set aside everything I think I know about myself, about my disease, the 12 steps, and especially you. So I may have an open mind and a new experience of all these things. Please let me see truth. And that was what I needed to do is set aside my own thinking, everything that I think I know, and I need to be filled if there is a higher power, can I be open to that? And can that higher, can I ask of that higher power to fill me with what the higher power would have me think and feel and do? And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Okay, well, um, Paula, we have one minute. You want to take a minute? I'll take a minute. This would be Paul. Thank you. Okay. And a minute would be more than enough. And um, sufficient. And it's, I will talk on sufficient. I never knew what sufficient was. It was never enough. Never enough food, whether it be drink, drug, or, or bite. May I uh, introduce myself? Paula D., currently in Florida, recovered by and with the grace of God. But I just want to just hone in on one line with that minute was sufficient to make the approach and affect the contact. I've been having to do a lot of flying because the family matters, but that part, making the approach, you know, there you are sitting on the plane and you're making the approach. 
and you're coming closer, and you just sense something's changing. Everything changes within the plane very slightly. The wing flaps go go down, and the and you hear the engine start. Watch what happens, though. That contact. You hit the ground. All of a sudden, you hear that ba-boom. That's it. I had enough. It was sufficient. I made the approach to effect contact with him, and their life changed. It was never the same again. I was truly in a different place. Thank you for allowing me that minute. Much appreciated. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Okay, Susan Kay, I'm sorry, and Deborah E., um, if you all can stick around for the second hour, um, which is coming up right after this. Okay, so um, <clears throat> thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Thank you, Sally A., Karen C., Leah S., and Linda D. Um, and please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share, share ID for today, Friday, May 26th, is 9981. That's 9981. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Linda D. please, a vision, please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. This is Linda D., Grateful Recovered, Compulsive Overreader in North Carolina. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.